0: Just imagine the mightiest heroes of our time.
1: All of them on one team.
0: The Fire and Water Network proudly presents JLU Cast. Hello and welcome to JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin.
1: And I'm Chris Franklin, and we're back. We took a break from JLU Season 2 to head back to our Supermates podcast for our annual House of Frankenstein series. Uh, We had one episode left to cover, but thankfully this is the perfect episode to leave and come back to since it's at 65 years in the future. Mm -hmm. This episode has a very interesting history, so let's get into the details and synopsis, then discuss the season two and almost series finale, Epilogue. Epilogue originally aired July 23rd, 2005, we had a story by Bruce Timm and Dwayne McDuffie, teleplay by Dwayne McDuffie, directed by Dan Ribba, music by the leader Ritmanis and Christopher Carter. In the cast, we had Will Friedle as Terry McGinnis slash Batman, Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne Batman, CCH Pounder as Amanda Waller, Lauren Tom as Dana and Dr. Light and Green Lantern, Hendon Walsh as Ace, and Mark Worden as Parasite.
0: 65 years from now, Terry McGinnis infiltrates the heavily guarded home of Amanda Waller. Waller is well aware of Terry's identity as Batman, and she also knows why he's there. Terry recently learned he is an exact genetic match for his mentor, Bruce Wayne. Terry suspects that Bruce used outlawed Cadmus technology to clone himself, manipulating events to create a new Batman, and making Terry's entire life a lie.
1: While Terry flashes the thoughts of confronting Bruce, quitting the Justice League, and breaking up with his long-suffering girlfriend, Dana, Waller relates that Terry doesn't know his mentor at all. Terry sees Bruce as an uncaring, obsessive control freak, but Waller knows better. She tells him of how years ago, the Justice League took on another iteration of the Cadmus-created Royal Flush Gang. The young telepath Ace's powers had grown out of control, and she gained the ability to warp reality itself. She was also dying of a brain aneurysm. Waller, convinced Ace's sudden death could kill anyone within a several-mile radius, asked the League to end Ace's threat with a device Cadmus created. Batman took the device and entered the fairy tale fortress that Ace had fabricated.
0: Inside, Ace told Batman she knew he didn't plan to kill her. She also knew that she was dying. With both of them losing their childhoods to tragedy, Ace felt a kindred spirit in Batman. She asked him to stay with her until her time came. Batman sat in the swing beside her and held her hand. Sometime later, he walked out toward Waller and the leaguers with the lifeless body of Ace in his arms as reality returned to normal.
1: This incident and others convinced Waller that Batman represented the best of the League. As time passed and Bruce Wayne aged, she became resolved that the world needed a dark night, so she began work on Project Batman Beyond. She selected Terry's parents from thousands since their psychological profiles matched those of Thomas and Martha Wayne. She had Terry's father's DNA overwritten with Bruce's, resulting in Terry being Bruce's biological son, not the son of Warren McGinnis. But she knew genetics weren't enough to create a Batman, and so she hired the assassin, the Phantasm, to murder Terry's parents in front of him. Phantasm refused, and Walla realized she was violating what Batman stood for in order to recreate him. The project was scrapped.
0: Initially stunned by Waller's involvement, Terry tells her that his father was murdered and he still became Batman regardless. Waller diffused Terry's anger by reminding him that Batman's mission is a noble one and that despite his gruff exterior, no one she ever knew cared more about humanity than Bruce Wayne. Later, Terry returns to Wayne Manor and calls Dana, confirming their date the next night, while looking over a newly purchased engagement ring. A groggy Bruce Wayne gives his protege a hard time about staying out so late without calling, and then sends him off to work on a case with Superman. Terry smiles at his old man's grouchy demeanor, and Batman flies off into the night once more.
1: Okay, so this episode has quite a history, as I said in the opener. Uh, Tim and crew believed that this was going to be their last episode, since they hadn't yet heard of a third season order from Cartoon Network. Feeling they'd left the League in a good place with Divided We Fall, which was the Cadmus Arc finale that we Mm -hmm. discovered last time, they thought they would wrap up the entire DCAU run by bringing things full circle back to Batman. This would allow them to give Batman Beyond a proper series finale since they had never been able to before. The basic plot of this episode comes from an aborted Batman Beyond direct-to-home media movie a sequel to Return of the Joker. In it, Catwoman is revealed to have cloned Bruce Wayne, resulting in Terry and another rogue Batman type. The controversial response and subsequent recutting of Return of the Joker put an end to any future Batman Beyond projects, and that's why there wasn't a finale, because they were going to do these movies. Mm-hmm. So, Of course, they did receive the JLU order, so this series got a proper finale, but let's talk about this one, and we'll also discuss whether we feel this would have actually been an appropriate end to both JLU and the DCAU as we go along. So we start off with Terry infiltrating Amanda Waller's home, and we do get some text telling us we're 65 years in the future. Bruce Timm has stated that Batman Beyond took place 50 years in the future, so that tracks with what Dana says about them dating for 15 years later in the episode. I'm guessing Terry didn't dress as Batman because of feeling very conflicted about that role at the moment.
0: That's what I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah.
1: He still uses batarangs and smoke pellets, uh, but this does prove he can take out some highly trained people without the powered bat suit. Because, exactly. of course, the Batman Beyond suit is enhanced.
0: <laughs> mm mm-hmm.
1: uh, With strength, enhanced strength and everything. Uh, all the Heavy Guard says a lot about the enemy's Waller knows she made over the years. Oh, yeah, she's I mean,
0: Ticked off a lot of people, and
1: this is an old, old woman, uh-huh. and there's still people that want to kill her. Mm-hmm. So she's still under heavy guard. Waller knows that this is Terry. She recognizes him, and she knows he's Batman. Before we go to the theme song,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we, you know, we, we've never had them interact before because we've never seen Waller in the Batman Beyond future. No, before, no. of course, he looks older, but he's wearing a longer black version of his old brown jacket from Batman Beyond. And he's got those Kryptonian-like shoulder thingies that are fashionable in the yeah. Batman Beyond. It's kind of cool, though. It's almost like Superman's Kryptonian fashion like, became integrated into like Earth fashion. So yeah. I think like, it's kind of cool.
0: But, I mean, you see that regardless. I mean, you see somebody... For instance, Madonna in the 80s. You know, she started wearing lace gloves and then everybody else did.
1: Right, right. So you
0: have somebody that is held up and they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to dress like them. So So. apparently
1: when Superman changed to his Batman Beyond look with the white and he's got the Kryptonian Mm -hmm. more like shoulder things on, it influenced fashion.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, (laughs) you know?
1: Although the jacket here that Terry's got on distractingly changes uh, the, the things, the little pads on the shoulders change from silver to black throughout the episode.
0: I chalk that up to... One, yeah, they might have missed it, but some of it might have just been, oh, that's just lighting is what I chalked it up to so it didn't make my head hurt.
1: Okay, okay. There's another thing when we get into the black and white flashbacks. Bruce briefly in one scene has blue eyes when nothing else is colored. I noticed that. Mm. And I'm just like, ugh, you know. Uh, when we come out of the opening, we get a gray tone segment, like I was mentioning, with a letterboxed aspect ratio where Terry smashes the grandfather clock that hides the bat cave and then goes down into the cave and confronts Bruce. Now, for years, I assumed these black and white interludes were flashbacks to what happened immediately after Terry learned about his true parentage. But Dwayne McDuffie confirmed that these are just scenarios Terry is running through in his mind. What is likely to happen when he does confront Bruce, does break up with Dana, and does quit the Justice League.
0: I know. See, I thought they were flashbacks to what he had done, too.
1: Yeah, it explains why later the clock is undamaged, Bruce doesn't seem angry or mention their fight, and Dana doesn't say, hey, why are you calling? We broke up. Right. You know.
0: She's like, hey, baby.
1: So you thought these were flashbacks, too.
0: I did. I did. So if
1: it confused us and other viewers, apparently, I'm not sure it was handled very well. Right. I mean, you know, I I mean, they're great, but I think the device should have been explained. There could have been some dialogue. Because,
0: again, I mean, we were adults confused. What about kids? Oh, yeah, kids
1: had no, yeah, they were totally confused. Uh, you know, there could have been some dialogue with Terry saying, I know what I have to do, then segue into one of these Mm -hmm. or something, you know. Uh, Terry's version of Bruce in his mind is also even more of a hard-ass than usual, cold and manipulative, exactly what Terry was thinking of him at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Visually, Bruce looks more like Bruce Timm's early design for him for Batman Beyond before they decide to make him look a little less ancient and scarred up and a little more handsome. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, In these sequences, he's even harsher looking with heavy black shadows around his eyes. He doesn't look as harsh when we see him in the actual real world at the end of the episode. Terry name-drops Dick, Barbara, Tim, and Selena as people who loved Bruce but eventually left him. So I thought that was, you know, and he walks, of course, past the costumes that are always in the Batcave there. They do a nice job of using dialogue and situations in Terry's mind to bridge back to the real world like when Bruce says he's not surprised Terry is quitting and the real Waller says she isn't surprised he showed up as she's been expecting him for years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So they they use the, they use it well but it's it, again it's like we've seen things like this where they flash back to something that happened before and so that's why it, also it's black and white that's you know yeah. it codes flashback you know and it and they're not. So Odd enough, Waller is a cougar uh, because she calls <laughs> Terry a handsome gentleman caller and wonders why superheroes are always so good looking. <laughs> Ugh, cringe. Terry smacks a cup of tea Waller poured for him out of her hand and immediately feels bad. Yep. He says, I'm sorry, and then that segues into his This thoughts.
0: pattern is 75 years old. Yeah. I got it from my mother. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. But this, this, you know, this makes Terry go into his breakup with Dana that mm-hmm. he's thinking about. Uh, Dana is voiced again by Laura and Tom, who also voices Doctor Light in the future Green Lantern here and will mm-hmm. voice Rampage next season. She also provided the voices of Gizmo and Jinx on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. She's also known for the Joy Luck Club, Friends, and Andy Mack in live action. Terry and Dana have the old trope, uh, they go over the old trope of, if the bad guy's ever found out about you discussion, and Dana treats it like it's a trope. Yeah. That's what I think is funny. You're right. Uh, she's what she's saying.
0: You're right. There could be supervillains hiding in the tall grass. <laughs> yeah.
1: Obviously, in the intervening 15 years, Dana learned Terry was Batman. Yeah. And interestingly, his confidant in the later seasons of Batman Beyond Max is nowhere to be seen in this episode. A lot of people didn't like her addition to the cast, so that might be one reason why she doesn't show up. Terry's being all melodramatic. I'm poisoned, Dana, and she says,
0: "You're silly, McGinnis." (laughs) Yeah. Which the thing is, is I mean, he's, I mean, I'm sorry, but you're seeing, he's Bruce's kid. There, I'm. Oh, I'm the. the, Yeah. You know, I must be alone. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. She's like, oh, you moron.
1: Yeah. Uh, Terry breaks up with Dana, and he says, I'm sorry again. Waller responds, and we're in the real world. And then she tells him about that cup of the cup and how it's 70 years old and from her mom. Yeah. This gets Terry monologuing about legacy while Waller talks about the teacup pattern. It's like a Broadway song where the singers are talking about parallel subjects. Yeah. And The music even gets more dramatic. And I will say my one complaint about this episode is Terry's lines are pretty purple here. How can I escape the curse of Batman? Uh, I mean, Terry was always a bit melodramatic, but it comes on just a bit too strong. What do you think?
0: Well, it's one of those cases, I mean, I think they, when Terry was in Batman Beyond and in that, you saw him as a teenager taking on the mantle of Batman. And teenagers, by their very nature, are melodramatic. Yeah. To me, 15 years later, he should have moved beyond that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, he got stuck in the emotional development when he was at, at 17. Well, 16, 17 years
1: old. I, but, I, but, I mean, you know, you just found out that your mentor, you know, he... he I know, but I'm saying,
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm agreeing Either with had me. sex
1: with your mom or messed with your DNA somehow, you yeah. know. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I get it, but it... the I get him why it's just the dialogue's just a little... It's a little too I don't know, operatic for mm-hmm. you know, Terry to say it doesn't sound it doesn't sound natural coming from it. That's my one gripe in this episode, really. Uh Waller says the set is ruined and then we move into another Terry scenario To ten, ter, I don't know how you I call it. Uh this time it's the future Justice League taking on what Green Lantern calls the iniquity collective. Uh when you've run through Injustice League, Injustice Gang, Secret Society of Supervillains, Legion of Doom, I guess you have to get fancy. Well yeah. The young Asian Green Lantern. That looked
0: under the Synopsis Dictionary. Yeah, yeah,
1: there
0: you go. <laughs> synonym, synonym, the, sorry, the, sorry. The,
1: thesaurus, yeah, yeah. they looked through the thesaurus. The young Asian uh, Green Lantern we meet in the call is now grown up, but he's still very short. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get to see our favorite Warhawk and Girl in action. They are taking on the Batman Beyond baddie stalker, Shriek and in ink, along with a mutated version of the Parasite. From Superman, the animated series, and Justice League. He looks more monstrous like later iterations from the comics. More Mm -hmm. like a big leech or something. He's kind of gross. Mark Warden, who voices the Parasite here, provided the voice of Joker's gang members on Batman Beyond and Static Shock, and will go on to voice Killer Moth on Teen Titans and Rowe on Batman the Brave and the Bold. He voiced Iron Man on several direct-to-DVD 2000s Marvel projects like Ultimate Avengers, and in live action played... Alexander Roshenko, son of Worf, on two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine.
0: Oh, okay. So he
1: replaced the guy that had played Worf most of the time. Was that Brian Bosnall? Bonzel, from was, uh,
0: uh, Family Ties. From Family
1: Ties, yeah, yeah. I think they aged him up. Yeah, and, they did. And he played a more an older uh, Alexander. Batman, Terry, shows up and takes out Shriek, then tells them he's quitting and that Batman is dead. Uh, they all respond with, what? in shock responses... Jody Benson and Peter Onateri don't return for this episode, so I'm assuming Laura and Tom briefly voiced Aqua Girl, and maybe Mark Warden voiced Warhawk in that.
0: Right, you know, it was not, you know. Yeah,
1: they didn't bring him in for just that, you know. You can't blame him. Cut to commercial, and then we're back. And Waller has a Roomba, uh, before those were even a thing, a little right. robot. Back well, maybe the- that
0: was the inspiration. Maybe you it was,
1: yeah, yeah. Waller asked when he figured it out, and Terry tells her a few months ago Bruce needed a tissue donor to clone a new kidney. Terry was a perfect histocompatibility match with him. Terry asked if she knows the the odds of that. And this transitions to another scenario in Terry's mind where Bruce answers 111 to 1. Terry ran a DNA test and learned how perfect of a match he was.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So this is when they really have it out with Terry admitting he looked up to him and worshipped him. Bruce says what he wanted from him he could never give. Terry then says how his dad always provided for them even after his parents divorce. He mentions his mu- his brother Matt and yes, Dwayne McDuffie confirmed that Matt is also the de facto son of Bruce Wayne. So, I mean, Warren McGinnis's like reproductive <laughs> parts were totally overtaken yeah, by Yeah, I'm like
2: Whoa.
1: Yeah. 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 His <laughs> His stockpile of ammunition came from the Batcave, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Then Terry hits him with the knowledge that he knows Warren is not his father, Bruce is. Bruce very coldly asks, What do you want from me? Uh, I don't don't think the animated Batman would ever be this cold. No, me either. I I mean, Conroy does a wonderful job of playing Bruce here as a completely detached, Machiavellian villain in some ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not mustache twirling, but... Just his tone is giving us the Bruce that Terry has created in his head at this moment. Yes, yes. Uh, Terry accuses Bruce of setting the whole thing up, and when Bruce points out he didn't meet his mother until Terry was a teenager, that's when Terry brings up the old Cadmus tech. Bruce says it's been illegal for 40 years, and then Terry goes for the low blow, pointing out that didn't stop the Joker from using it on Tim Drake.
0: Uh-huh. Ooh, shots
1: fired. Ooh. Bruce looks hurt, then pissed. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't bring up the Return of the Joker business, you know. (laughs) And in case you guys didn't know, if you've never seen Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, spoiler warning, the Joker kidnapped Tim Drake and turned him into a little Joker clone.
0: Yes.
1: And they defeated him, and Tim kills the Joker. Yeah. And then they rehabilitate Tim, but then Batman basically doesn't let him be Robin anymore. Yeah. And as an adult, the Joker reemerges in Mm -hmm. Tim. Yeah. If you haven't seen that movie, it's quite shocking.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so, especially the uncut version. Bruce tells him it's a good thing. He's a clone of him. The world does need a Batman, and it always will. Fake Bruce is thinking a lot like Waller, as we'll soon learn.
0: I know. I mean, I'm just like, you know, he ought... You know, you would think that he would have enough faith in Bruce. They've worked together for the last 15 years. Why, you know...
1: Yeah, yeah. Bruce tells him the mantle of Batman is an honor... As he tries to open a jar of pills and seems to be having a mild heart attack.
0: I don't know. Uh, and Terry just walks
1: away from him. I know. Him, I was
0: like, what? what? what?
1: what? telling him, he's like, you know, they're right about you. You are insane. I know. Uh, no matter what happened, this is just cold. Yeah. I don't think either of them would really act this way. Yeah. I think Terry's just like off on a tear in his own mind.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, now that I know this isn't a flashback, I don't even think Bruce considers the role of Batman in honor. He wasn't looking to continue it until Terry demanded it. I think Bruce probably regrets aspects of his life as Batman. Mm-hmm. I do think he thinks Batman is a necessity, but not an honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think he'd use those words. Bruce on the floor reaching for his pills moves us back to reality, and Waller looking over hers, she takes one for Alzheimer's too, although she does seem to be pretty sharp and obviously recollects all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Terry tells Waller he came to her for answers because Bruce can't be trusted. Once he settles on a course of action, he won't stop at anything. That's when Waller tells him how wrong he is about Bruce and tells him a story about the Justice League we've been covering for the last several years. Yeah. In a fantastical forest created in the middle of a city park, the League, consisting of Batman, Shayera, Doctor Light, Stargirl, and Red Tornado, are fighting what Waller calls the second or third version of... Of the Royal Flush Gang, because
0: she's like, I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And this is apt because the team debuted in the DCAU on Batman Beyond, uh-huh. so they were in the future, meaning the third version appeared first. Uh, this Royal Flush Gang is full of fun Easter eggs. Tin has hair that she can control, like the Inhumans Medusa of the global or the Global Guardians Godiva. She's blonde with cornrows and a white bathing suit—a gag on Bo Derek in the film Tin. Yes. When Queen changes back later, it's revealed that she's a man who looks a lot like drag queen actor and frequent John Waters collaborator, Divine. Mm-hmm. Jack is a samurai, and when he changes back, he looks like Green Lantern voice actor Phil Lamar, who voiced...
0: Samurai Jack?
1: Yes. Speaking of Jacks, King looks like the Marvel villain, MODOK, created by Jack King Kirby. So. Never why? <laughs> all, you know. Yeah, yeah. Waller lands in a helicopter and Batman isn't surprised to see her. The Royal Flush Gang's appearance in Justice League Season 2 was one of the first hints of a shadowy government agency creating super beings to oppose the League. So, She tells Batman that Ace's powers have evolved beyond generating hallucinations to matter manipulation. She also tells them Cadmus believes she'll soon die of a massive aneurysm. Dr. Light very coldly says... Problem solved. So what do you think of that? That This is a child we're talking I about. Know. <laughs> I know. Mean, I mean... Wow. Jeez. I mean, Dr. Light's character in the comic books was always kind of bitchy. So, I mean, it kind of fits. You know, I mean, she kind of <laughs> was kind of a cold fish. Analytical. All, yeah, yeah, and just all the time. So, I mean, it does kind of fit her character, but yeah. She says the psychic backlash could kill anyone in, a range, in range of her powers, and that's a distance in miles, so... Yeah, not, not so much soft. Yeah, not soft, yeah. She brings some kind of heavy attache case with a box-like device in it. When pushed, a prong emerges. So, you know, like you get the idea that it's going to, like, do some kind of shock thing to yeah. her. Like, it's, you know, like... like, like I a, get
0: the idea that, like, they would put it at the base of her head. Yeah. And it would just shut out her...
1: System. Mm-hmm. Shut her system down, yeah. Shaira, who never speaks... Uh, grabs for it, but Batman stops her, saying he, saying he knows Ace. She may let him get closer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Waller asks if he knows what he's signing up for because the only way to end the threat is to kill her. And they actually say kill her on this show, which is quite shocking, again, because we're talking about a kid. Again. Yeah.
0: And she's only like maybe 12, 13 years old. At the most, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Ace parts the forest for Batman, but when the league tries to follow, she blocks them. Uh, and I think it's funny because Stargirl like, runs up and, like, punches one of the trees. I'm like, why how's that going to help? How's that going to help? you have? Why don't you use your cosmic staff and try to blast it? You know, I don't know. Ace puts down the drawbridge to the castle so mm-hmm. Batman can cross the moat. Uh, when Batman finds her, she's swinging on a swing set like a young kid would. But, as always, she looks extremely morose. Yeah. Yeah. Ace is played, once again, by Hendon Walsh, who appeared in live-action films like Groundhog Day, but is best known her voice work in shows like Adventure Time, and voicing Harley Quinn in many of the DC Universe animated films. Her most famous role is that of Starfire in the original Teen Titans series. The continuing Teen Titans go that thing's been going on for ten years now. Oh
0: my goodness!
1: And even the DC Superhero Girls series.
0: Oh, who's she voice on there? Starfire. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's Starfire on there too.
0: Well, I, you know, I didn't know. Yeah,
1: and and when the we were we were when we met the Royal Flush Gang with Ace. They were all voiced by the Teen Titans actors. Right, you're right. Yeah, remember that. So That I do remember. The wild card episode, yeah. They greet one another, and Ace asks if Batman enjoyed playing with her royal Flush gang, but she agrees they're no fun at all. Uh, she then tells them of how Cadmus made her play games too, and they weren't fun either, like moving objects with her mind, and she demonstrates this by lifting a large tree and sending it flying.
0: Yeah, and I mean, she's not even looking at it. She's just like, um, oh,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, so this shows how powerful yeah. she is. Uh and you know, they talk about like she's had wires poking in her brain and stuff, so it's just like really awful. Ace says they got the weapon they wanted and she was cheated out of her childhood. Batman tells her he knows what that feels like. Having read his mind, she knows that's true and she also knows he's not gonna kill her.
0: No. Nope.
1: She knows he was going to ask for her to fix everything before she dies, and she states,
0: I'm dying very soon.
1: And Batman softly answers, Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, She tears up and asks...
0: Could you stay with me? I'm scared.
1: Batman sits in the swing next to her and puts out his hand. She takes it and they sit. Uh, This scene is beautifully written, directed, and acted. Having these two characters who can relate to one another through loss of their childhood connect by sitting on a symbol of carefree youth, a swing set. That's just genius. Walsh only has a few short lines in this episode, but this is a truly memorable performance. Ace is the antithesis of the sweet and naive Starfire that Walsh is best known for. Yeah, In some ways, she's more like Raven, but Walsh really puts across the bitter disillusionment that Ace is suffering from and the resignation of her fate despite her years. It's one of the series' most powerful and memorable moments. I know it was brought up during our Kevin Conroy Tribute episode.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Because Conroy is just, he's so understated here. You can feel what Waller's trying to convey to Terry just through Conroy's voice. That simple, yes, I'm sorry, is better than any soliloquy. Well, you know, from, you know, and I mean, of course, Batman doesn't go around, you know, he's a man of few words, but it just, it's perfect. Outside, the fantasy forest disappears. The gang changes, as we said before, and Batman walks out with the lifeless body of Ace. And I can't believe they can even was, show that.
0: Yeah, I know. I was really, really surprised because yeah. they showed a dead body.
1: Right. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't have Batman come out and say it's over or yeah. something like that. You but know? he
0: came out carrying her. Yeah,
1: yeah. Waller says he stayed with her until her time came, of course. Terry isn't impressed, saying Bruce probably deduced that Ace wasn't going to hurt anyone. Waller agrees he was always two steps ahead of everyone. And that gives Terry a chance to rant about how Bruce ensured he had a successor. Then Waller drops a bomb on him that Bruce didn't overwrite his DNA. She did. hmm Of course, Terry asks why, and then we learn that despite the rocky start, Waller came to respect Batman and felt no one on the League was his equal. She was even liaison to the League for a time, but she saw that Bruce was growing older and felt the world needed a Batman. So I love Batman, but Superman and Wonder Woman weren't the equal of Batman. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's Waller's innate fear of the other non ordinary humans that made her a fangirl of Batman so much?
0: Oh, that's definitely it. I mean, that's that's the thing. She's never going to trust anybody that's other, right? I, I think that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, this not an alien that's not you know mm-hmm. from some clandestine race of warrior women or something like that. You know, it, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think that's what it is. And you know, and at one point, you know, Batman almost went over to the Cadmus side you know, in, in right. the exactly. art. So, you know, that was, I mean... It get, was a
0: possible direction.
1: Right. We get a flashback to middle-aged Waller returning to Cadmus to initiate Project Batman Beyond. So what do you think about them working in the series name?
0: Uh, I'll be honest, it was a little cringy. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> it's like one of those cases, like when you're reading a novel and then you get to the end and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've got the novel's title and then for whatever reason, the last five pages of a novel and are like, And blah, 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 you know, and And you're like, the
1: character says it or something. Yeah, and
0: I'm like, oh. Yeah. You know, it always makes me cringe a little bit. I'm like, well,
1: yeah, yeah." you know. Yeah. I I wasn't, you know. I'm a little, uh, it's it's maybe a little too cute, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how funny. As
0: Danny says, it's a little cringe.
1: Yeah, right. There's a funny bit after we see younger Bruce being bandaged up by medics and a guy in a trench coat picks up a bandage with his blood on it. Walter says he left his DNA all over town. We cut to her and Terry and Terry cocks an eyebrow and she says,
0: Not remotely what I meant. Because <laughs> Terry's mind done went in the gutter. Bow chicka wow wow. Yeah,
1: so yeah, he did because apparently he knocked up my mom. You know. <laughs> we see the young McGinnises. Is that how you say that? McGinnis? Plural McGinnises? We see the young McGinnises and Terry's mom, Mary, had her magenta hair even at that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how the psychological profile of Warren McGinnis matched that of rich Dr. Thomas Wayne. I know. And Mary matched rich heiress Martha Wayne. You know? I,
0: I, but Apparently they
1: know. did. So uh, Then we learn Warren had his reproductive material overwritten by nanotech within a seemingly innocent flu shot. So, COVID conspirators take note. There you go.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what it is.
1: we're all having our DNA overwritten. There you go. Uh, They show baby Terry being born and he has that shock of black hair from the get-go. So I never questioned why Terry and Matt had black hair and, you know, his dad had, like, reddish hair and his mom had purple hair, magenta hair. And I don't think this was the plan at all when Batman Beyond started that, you know, Bruce was his real dad. Right. But now it does fit in kind of nicely. Right, and you're like, oh. Yeah, that's why he has black hair. Yeah. Yeah. Then the real holy crap, they went there bit, which is saying something, considering uh-huh. this.
0: Yeah, I'm already kind of going, what, the fuck?
1: Yeah. Waller's, this part of Waller's plan is revealed. She was going to have the McGinnises assassinated in front of Terry, murdered.
0: But genetics is only part of the story. The rest is tragedy. Yeah.
1: I love how she says,
0: stop if you've heard it before.
1: Then relates the origin of Batman as we see Terry and his parents leaving a theater playing The Grey Ghost Strikes. And, I mean, it's great that Terry's inspiration would have been the Grey Ghost, Bruce's old hero, who was, of course, voiced by Batman legend Adam West. Right. So it's nice to bring, you know, him back. That was
0: another, you know.
1: Yeah, another callback. The next part, just, I mean, I remember this blowing my mind. Me too. The assassin she hired was Phantasm. Yep. Uh, She's never mentioned by name, but this is clearly Bruce's lost love, Andrea Beaumont, from the Batman, the Mask of the Phantasm film, the greatest Batman film ever. Yes, uh, her design is slightly updated with orange glowing eyes and a more techie version of her scythe gauntlet. But yeah, yeah this is clearly her. Uh, it is odd that she just kind of walks up behind them in the parking garage and isn't really hiding in the shadows that much, though. Right? It's like I mean, like they're just like walking, walking, and she's just like walking behind them, getting a little bit closer. You know, I mean, I was just kind—I was almost waiting for her to do like you know Wally e. Coyote behind a little the pillars and the <laughs> do, 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 and just disappeared you know or something like that uh, of course if it was wally Cody then warner brothers would probably canceled it cuz yeah. you know like that john cena movie was so anyway uh, mm. <laughs> uh that's a lot of you moron uh, anyway uh <laughs> a lot of uh, things uh, yeah a lot, a lot of things i guess she was just going to slice him up though because you know she like raises her arm and then like no, I can't do this. Yeah. But, I mean, she wasn't; she didn't have a gun. She didn't like she didn't use her smoke pellets or anything. And then she was just gonna like walk up to him and just start, you know, cutting on him. I guess like, geez. Jeez. We see her hesitate, then cut to Waller's home where she pulls off her mask and argues with her. Andrea has short, gray, white hair now. Uh, Waller couldn't argue that, despite Batman doing just about anything to achieve his goals, he'd never resort to murder. A uh, Waller says,
0: "So if I was to honor all he stood for." Neither could I.
1: But you just left his illegitimate kid out there flapping in the wind. <laughs> I mean, you could have at least given Mary a fat government job so she could provide for her kids after you effed up their lives. You know I mean that's what
0: gets me and it makes you wonder how many assassinations that Waller has ordered over the years. How many people are dead either at her command or at her hand.
1: Right. You know Yeah, I mean it makes you wonder like some of these other some of the other superheroes who had you know, uh, you know, family members or loved ones die or something, uh-huh. or you know, it makes you. It really does, like, like it
0: does. It really, yeah.
1: you know, yeah. It's like mm, if it was this easy for her to like put phantasm on speed dial. I want you to kill a couple. Yeah, you
0: know, you know she's done like, nothing. We've done
1: nothing. Yeah. Uh, Terry points out that his dad was murdered anyway, and he was fated to be Bruce's carbon copy. Then Waller tells him how her religious faith has been a comforter all these years. And <laughs> She says.
0: Try not to look so surprised.
1: She tells him she'll have a lot to answer for, but she hopes she also has done some good.
0: Maybe the angels need a sharp sword, too.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, she mentions the Lord works in mysterious ways in the good book. uh, And that he gave everyone free will, and she says, we choose our own fate. I was really surprised that they went there as well, because it makes perfect sense for the character, though, especially to help lift the burden of what we were just talking about of the things she did mm-hmm. in the name of what she felt was right you know that she would be you know find religion and like you know basically a- ask for a- you know to be absolved of it mm-hmm. uh so i mean Absolution. that that does that does make sense with but, with I mean, the blood on her hands that she's got
0: i mean that's the case of history people say i'm i'm doing it for the you know for this particular right i'm doing it you know and, no, you're just doing it because you want land or money or power. That's yeah. the, that's real. You're just trying to rationalize it away.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the history of conquest.
1: Yeah, that's By true. and large,
0: yeah. it really is.
1: Yeah. Um, she tells Terry that she's been keeping an eye on him his whole life, and he's not Bruce's clone. He's his son. She tells him while he doesn't have Bruce's magnificent brain, which is a burn, mm-hmm. he does have his heart, and she says...
0: And for all that fierce exterior, I've never met anyone who cared as deeply for his fellow man than Bruce Wayne. Except maybe you.
1: I really appreciated this take on Bruce because this was around the time comic creators were really leaning into the obsessive, unlikable, man-child Batman. You know, uh, the very broken Batman. Uh, The animated guys always found a way to balance Batman's obsessive, driven nature with the humanity that fueled it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they never forgot that Batman's doing this to keep the same thing
0: that from happened to him happening to somebody else. happened
1: to somebody else, yeah. And the
0: thing about it is, is Waller didn't even take into account, you know, the McGinnis couple, they didn't have the money that the Wayne family did. Bruce had the privilege that he was able to go off and study and go off and travel and do all this. Terry McGinnis never would have had that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another, that is a good point. I mean, you know, it's like, what would if they murdered the McGinnises? What would they have done? Would they have like basically, like brought Terry? You know, like you know, put and got also, got a hold of him through the adoption service and and I trained mean, he him? Had
0: Alfred helping him and you know looking out for him and you know t- taking care of his finances and everything else. McGinnis wouldn't have had that,
1: right? So I wonder if her plan was to kill kill him off, murder him in front of him, and then basically. You know, you know, through the adoption system, he's in the government. You know, yeah. in the government system, like say, hey, we'd like you to come come to this academy mm-hmm. and start training him, and then then you know they provide the Wayne the Wayne fortune and the Wayne tech. You mm-hmm. know, I mean that's that that I mean I don't know you don't know and yeah, she, but I
0: mean you know think about that that's yeah,
1: but if she was just going to let it happen on his own, what would he have done? Like that's what he I'm saying. He would yeah. be, you know come become like Batman and with a you know a, a trash bag around his neck jumping off of. Uh, you know, All right. <laughs> buildings and crap, you know, with a crowbar or something. I don't know. I mean, how could he have been Batman without the the, the no, money the, and Alfred? Wayne, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The She tells him if he wants to have a better life than Bruce to take care of the people who love you. And that's good advice, whether you're a genetics experiment or not.
0: Yes, it yeah. is.
1: Then we're back at Wayne Manor. Well, then we're at Wayne Manor for the first time, really. Uh, in Bruce's study, and Terry looks over at the grandfather clock, which, as we say, is undisturbed, so that should have been a clue. That, I know, I know, that, but know, still,
0: yeah, you know.
1: yeah. T- uh, other TV has conditioned us to accept these flash as flashbacks, and they're not, so that's part of it. Uh, Terry calls Dana at 3 in the morning and wants to know if they are still on for the weekend because he has something to ask her as he pulls out a box and looks at the engagement ring he plans to give her. Uh, hey, you're marrying the heir to a billionaire, baby. You know, I mean, now it's like, you know, now if Dick shows up, it's like, hey, I was his first kid. I get the fortune. He's like DNA test. You know, so.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you called me at three in the morning, I don't know if I'd care. Yeah, I'm not not somebody that's really nice. If you wake me up, am I. and she
1: had to be up at five. She said, so, I know. You know. So,
0: what do you think would happen if you tried to call me at three? She a.m.? No, she She
1: doesn't know he's Batman, though. So that's it's true. like you know. So she's probably gets weird, like. Yeah, I just rounded up a gang of jokers, or you know, it's like yeah, I, I just fought,
0: also true. I just
1: fought ink again, you know. It's like I'm hanging out with Superman right now. You want to talk to Superman? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Old Bruce walks up and says, "You're in my chair." Uh, and, and Terry answers, "Yeah, I guess I am." I, I, lots of meaning in that exchange. Yes, I like that. It, and it's it's you know it's 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 loaded because yeah, he's in he's in his chair. He's been in his chair for 15 years, but now he's really in his chair. Yeah, he's he in his shoes. He's in his shoes. He's his kid, yeah. Uh, Dad gets on him for being out and not calling, and he made him some soup, and now it's cold. So now Bruce is Alfred.
0: If it had been Vicious Swat, i had been like, oh! <laughs>
1: yeah, it's Vicious swa It's supposed to be cold. <laughs> oh, okay. He just keeps eating it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Terry, I think Terry could be the absent-minded Michael Keaton-type Batman, you know. <laughs> Uh, Bruce tries to act like he was just worried about Gotham. If Batman's not around, Terry takes the bottle of pills. Bruce was trying to open and tells him, I've got it covered, always. So, I think that's nice. Yeah. Bruce tells him that Kent called, which of course means Superman. He wants his help on a non-apocalyptic case. And they are to meet at the Metro Tower, which we saw in the Call episode of Batman Beyond right. with the Justice League. And we'll see the the newly constructed metro tower in JLU season three
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as Terry runs to the clock to enter the back cave and suit up Bruce tells him he should eat something first when Terry tells him he'll eat when he gets back Bruce responds you're a stubborn piece of work you know that and Terry whispers just like my old man yeah uh, so I wonder if Terry ever actually brings this up that he knows right you know at what point does Terry say hey yeah I know I'm your kid you know I mean, Dwayne McDuffie said... Thank, thankfully, Dwayne McDuffie answered a lot of... We lost Dwayne McDuffie way too young, but, you know, he did say before, um, you know, obviously before his passing, that he answered questions about this episode. So he did say Bruce probably figured out that Terry was his son sometime after Terry came to work for him, mm-hmm. uh, but would never tell him and sully his memories and his relationship with his father Warren. Yeah. So, because he knew he loved his father and he was a good dad, he was a good person, and he would never do that to him. So, uh, it wasn't being manipulative, it was trying to protect him, mm. you know. Uh, and, you know, I would think that Terry, you know, obviously he was injured as Batman, so Bruce had plenty of his blood, you know, yeah. samples and things, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, and
0: probably typed it to be like, oh, wait, this is the same blood type as me, and da-da-da-da-da, you yeah, know. Yeah,
1: and it's like, wait a minute, everything's the same as me the last scene brings us full circle to the beginning of the DCAU and the Batman, the animated series pilot episode on leather wings. Terry's Batman silhouette flies across the Gotham skyline as he buzzes by a police airship to the sounds of an electric guitar version of the BTAS thing. One of the cops says, did you see that? It's beat for beat. How we first entered this world and encountered man bat in that episode.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So lots to unpack here. First off, how do you feel about this episode on its own? Not not counting if it's a finale of this or that. How do you feel about the story?
0: The big, like I, like I said, the biggest thing that I have a problem with is not realizing that these weren't flashbacks to something that had happened, that they were, hey, this is how I'm gonna handle things. You yeah. know, that's the my biggest gripe about this episode.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I think that's that's the one that's the one part that's, I mean, obviously, it, you know, and, and you listeners let us know, uh, you know, if you're, I mean, most of you are probably familiar with this episode. We've, we're, we've got some listeners who are watching the show as we go through them, so that's great too. But if you're familiar with this episode or you just watched it, did you think these were flashbacks? I mean, or, you know, how did you feel about it? Did you, did you assume that they were flashbacks? Did you know? No, I always knew it was just what he was thinking. Are you guys stupid? You know, let us know what you think. Um. But I do, I think this is a very strong episode. It examines the character of Bruce Wayne through Terry and Waller's discussion. A CCH Pounder is great as the older, softer Waller. You know, Will Dale handles the emotional roller coaster Terry is on well, even changing his voice to sound a bit older. He's a bit more like his Batman voice, but less gruff. I mean, he always put on a deeper voice when he was Batman, you know, like, mm. you know. And of course, Conroy and Hendon uh, Walsh are just wonderful as noted earlier so mm-hmm. so what do you think of the retcon aspect of
0: this as far as the
1: origin Terry's being his son
0: i mean honestly it it fits in well i think it's a fairly seamless integration
1: yeah i go back and forth on it in some ways i think much like ray in the star wars sequels it would have been better if terry was just the next generation without any real connection it, it you know it kind of takes away from. I mean the idea was like like any teenager could be Batman. You know basically right. it was kind of like that you could be Batman now. You know it's like and it, it, that way it appealed to the young audience that they were trying to get. Yeah. You know, uh, but it does tie in nicely to the Cadmus story and make story sense. I often don't like origin retcons. I hate hate. The Spider-Man 3 bit that the burglar didn't kill Uncle Ben Sandman did accidentally.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that
1: totally makes Spider-Man's personal journey null and void to me. I think it's so stupid. This doesn't do that so I can't, so I can let it slide. And ask me tomorrow and I'll tell you that I I think it's brilliant. I just, I I go back and forth on it. I'm like, it didn't, and and Batman Beyond was done. I mean, yes, they've done comics and they, there was one more little animated short for Batman 75th anniversary, but that was set in the, you know, time period of the show So, I mean, it didn't, it didn't hurt anything. Yeah. You know, so, and I mean, it's kind of like the thing with the whole Tim Drake that, you know, they, they went there too and they, you know, revealed that, you know, what happened to Tim and he killed the Joker and all that. And so it's like, you know, they, they could get a little like, you know, gritty gritty and nuts with this stuff, which I think is kind of interesting. Now, if this had been the finale to JLU, do you think it was an appropriate finale? For that, for the JLU series,
0: not for JLU because it didn't show. Well, what happened to everybody else? Right, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, at the time, I probably would have accepted it. Uh, "Divided We Fall" was a great finale to everything Justice League and that, JLU. Yes. Yeah, but but without any other voice cast involved in this one, uh, the main voice cast, I now think it would have been very lopsided. Mm-hmm. Shire never speaks. Superman is just mentioned, and Diana Flash, GL, and Jean are not in it at all. Not no. mentioned. It's a great Batman Beyond finale.
0: Yes.
1: But not a good Justice League no. Unlimited finale. I, I don't think, as a finale goes. Uh, what, it, what do you? How would you feel if it was the finale of the DCAU, like this was the last thing they ever did, about that aspect of it?
0: Again, Batman's a great character, but he is not the character.
1: Well, you know, I think tying back to the beginnings of Batman Beyond and examining the character of Bruce Wayne, I think that fits. I think the finale we get in Destroyer... Is a bit more appropriate for the DCAU as a whole, but in a poetic, full circle way, this one works for a more introspective kind of ending, you know.
0: For Batman, yeah. not for DCAU.
1: Okay. Well, it started with Batman, so I mean that No. But, okay. All right. All right. Okay. I'm sorry, you're wrong. So Love you. Well, getting our superlatives, they're a little harder to apply with this episode because it is an odd episode. You know, it's not really a Justice League episode.
0: Power action feature.
1: So for power action feature, it's not an action moment at all, but I think the the standout moment is the the Batman and Ace.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's not up for discussion. That's it. it it is. Batman? Ace?
3: Did you like playing with my new Royal Flush gang?
0: Can't say that I did.
3: Yeah, they aren't any fun at all. I gave them their powers, and they still hardly ever play with me.
0: Can't imagine why.
3: When I was little, Cadmus used to make me play all kinds of games. But they weren't any fun either. They'd strap me into their machines and poke wires into my brain. Ace, can you move this object with your mind? Yeah, I can move it. They weren't really games, you know. They were training me turning me into a weapon, for justice, they said. They got their weapon. I got cheated out of my childhood.
1: I know what that's like.
3: You do, don't you? You don't have to answer. I read your mind. That's how I knew you weren't going to use Mrs. Waller's weapon on me.
0: No. I wasn't.
3: You were going to try and talk me into fixing what I've changed. Before I die. Yes. I'm dying very soon.
0: Yes. I'm sorry.
3: Could you stay with me? I'm scared.
0: Rotating chairperson.
1: Rotating chairperson. I mean, who do you pick? I I mean, I think... I still think you have to pick Bruce. No you, you going to pick Terry? Nope. Waller? Yep. Okay.
0: <laughs> She's pulling the strings.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. She's
0: the one, you know.
1: Yeah, that's the, true. This is
0: her chessboard.
1: That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I was just going to say it was Bruce because this is all about the kind of man he is.
0: But he's... He's not he's, really
1: in it. I mean, he's like, it's all in flashback or mm-hmm. in a fantasy. He's just in it at the very end in real yeah. time. Yeah, so.
0: it, This is her chessboard, and... Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis and every other, every other person are just pieces on that chessboard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Justice League
0: Communicator.
1: For Justice League Communicator, I mean, you could, you could go with the, the Batman Ace thing again. Yeah. But, I mean, for this, I think I'm going to say Waller telling Terry,
0: I've known Bruce Wayne for over 50 years and I've been keeping an eye on you your whole life. You're not Bruce's clone. You're his son. There are similarities, mind you, but more than a few differences, too. You don't quite have his magnificent brain, for instance. You do have his heart, though. And for all that fierce exterior, I've never met anyone who cared as deeply about his fellow man as Bruce Wayne, except maybe you.
1: Because I think that, I mean, I, like I said, I think that's important to the. It's just to kind of celebrate the kind of character Batman is and not get lost in the weeds with well, this guy's kind of a jerk because he doesn't know how to, you know, he's, he doesn't have, know how to deal with people emotionally and stuff like that. But he's a very compassionate person or he wouldn't go out there and dress like this and, beat, you know, take the chance of getting his ass killed every night You're if right. he didn't care. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, and he's, and he's not out just for vengeance. He's not out to just beat the hell out of people, which a lot of people get wrong. And that's one thing I liked about The Batman. I was scared de- to death that that's, it was going to be that kind of character but they had him move beyond that in that mm-hmm. movie, and I hope they really move beyond it in the next film. And I like that in my man. He can be that he pissed off at the world, and I just want to beat the hell out of people at first. But he needs to learn that no, I'm my mission's more important than mm-hmm. that. And so I like that here. Um, so did you have a comic? Did you have a communicator line you like better?
0: I don't want tea. I want answers. Then you're going to have to humor me. It's been many a year since I had a handsome gentleman caller. Why is it that superheroes are always so good looking?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I like that she, like, she gives him kind of a, like a little, like a raised oh, eyebrow. Yeah, and he's kind of, it's showing it's him in America. A, oh. He's kind of like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool at Grandma. Yeah.
0: Comic Connections.
1: Comic connections. There's the Easter eggs we mentioned before, but uh, one connection to another DCAU character may have come from this. I mean, obviously Ace the Bad Hound was named because Batman's dog in the comics was right. Ace, uh, but you know Bat- Bruce had the dog Ace in Batman Beyond. So did Bruce name the dog in the honor of the girl? You know, I know. it's it's this kind of that way
0: he can continue to take care of him.
1: Right, right, yeah, and and he can you know he can. You know, it's somebody that, you know. And it's
0: an, and just like Ace the girl, Ace the dog, they were both made for weapons. Right. But they really weren't.
1: Right. You know? Right. Yeah, because he was a genetically engineered dog. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's, I, 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 they never say that, but I mean, the fact that they're both named Ace, I yeah. mean, you know, it, that's, that's in my head canon. So. Electricity is evil. Uh, electricity is evil. I mean, there may have been some electricity in the League's battle with the Iniquity Collective, but I wasn't really paying attention because it was just a, it was just an action, some action beats to just say, yeah, let's put some action in here. I mean, that's all it was. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if it was in there, fine, I didn't go back and look. So, uh, so final thoughts on this one?
0: I mean, it's a good, like I said, it's a good episode, but I'm glad that Justice League got picked up for an additional season because... This was a great epilogue for Batman Beyond and for Batman, but it was not a great epilogue for Justice League.
1: Oddly enough, I just not thought of it.
0: Or finale, rather.
1: But when Teen Titans ended, they did the they did the the whole thing with all the different uh, the last season of Teen Titans. They had all the you know they had Kid Flash, they had Jericho, they had all these other they had Gnark and all these other Titans characters, and the, of course the Titans East characters, Bumblebee and Speedy, and all them. They all came together to fight the, you know, I think it was the Hive. I forgot who it was, but they fought the the big, you know, they had a big superhero brawl in the second to last episode, right? And then the last episode is that really weird episode where Beast Boy finds Terra and she's alive, but is she Terra and not? Right. And everyone hates that episode. <laughs> well, they don't ha- not everyone. A lot of people dislike that episode right. because it's 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 too introspective. Mm-hmm. It does it doesn't answer any questions? and so that's kind of like this in some ways I think this is better handled but the real finale we'll get in destroyer is like every justice Leaguer yes spoiler warning fighting the invasion of apocalypse you know and dark the return of dark side so it's it's literally like get your superpowers action figures out and bang them together and <laughs> in end game you know it's like it's like in game you know it's like get them all together and just start playing with them you know that's that's kind of what it is and I mean you know, what I mean that's it's a more visceral superhero yeah. ending. So it, it, to me, it's more appropriate. Plus, you get the like Superman's like greatest dialogue ever through the whole series, which I can't wait to get to. Uh, but um, so, not yet. yeah, not yet. And then, of course, the little yeah. ending. But God damn it, we're That's next season. We'll be talking about that this time next season. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is a powerful episode. It's well written and well acted. I a mean, few minor quibbles with a little bit of dialogue aside.
0: And the whole issue about, is it a flashback or is it a, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. You can wonder if they should have went in this direction with the characters and the stories, but you can't deny it's well done. Uh, I don't think in hindsight it's a good JLU finale at all, and I'm glad, like you said, it wasn't the final episode.
0: So, special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire & Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast.
1: Extra special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horrors Club Podcast, David Capoon, and Rocket Dan Johnson, who specifically support JLUcast. Did you guys look and see if you could find that uh, teacup pattern for Amanda Waller? I mean, it's really sad that it got broken. No,
0: it is. Yeah, go on eBay
1: and see if you can find it or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to be back hopefully next month with our season 2 wrap party going over our thoughts and favorite moments from the entire season and reading some of your feedback so if you throughout the season that you left at fireandwaterpodcast.com so if you have any thoughts on this episode any of the season 2 episodes or the series in general be sure to drop us a line at fireandwaterpodcast.com in the comment section for this episode and we'll see you then
2: JLUCast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at firewaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FWPodcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast.
0: Yes, I am. Where the devil have you been? I had some stuff to take care of. Enigma's overrated, especially at 3 a.m. You could have called. I made you some soup, but it's cold. Sorry.
3: Didn't mean to worry you. (laughs) I was worried about Gotham.
0: If Batman's not around...
3: I've got it covered.
0: Always. Kent called nothing apocalyptic he just wants your opinion on a case he's working said you could meet him at the metro tower right better suit up you should eat something first keep up your strength when i get back you're a stubborn piece of work you know that just like my old man
1: You see that